Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Um, so my, I, I have Totally Lit, which is my podcast, and then my writing is under Kai Garvey. Well, Kai, welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney at the place where the conversation is pointed. The guests are sharp. The responses are never dull. Brains, I wore my Australian uh, bush hat. I sure did. And I'm not taking it off because I love it. And I like being down in Australia. Kai Garvey is there. And she is a author. Uh, but she's also working on book publishing. She's at a conference right now, Brains, but she took a few minutes to stop and talk to us about the excitement of writing uh, a novel. This is going to be this is going to be fictional for you, Kai. Uh, yes. Thanks for having me, April. Yep, I'm here at um, Cedar Creek Lodge um, at Mount Tambourine in Queensland. I'm at the Rainforest Writers Retreat Conference. It's a three-day conference uh, each year. It um, has a different theme. This year it is romance. So I'm learning about how to uh, write a romance novel. Um, I think it will probably be more women's fiction when it actually is finished. Um, but yeah, authors come from all across Australia to uh, come to this conference every year. Um, and if you're international, check it out because it, it's really a wonderful conference. Well, you know what I'm trying is what do you do at, at one of those retreats? What do you do? Um, so there's, um, during the day, there's uh, guest speakers who are usually ind industry experts in their field. So um, this year we're listening to a lot of romance authors and they deliver workshops on how to build your character, tropes in romance. Um, some, um, well, we sit all in a conference room and... Um, we have morning tea and lunch and dinner together and there's a, because um, this is at a resort, there's a bar that we gather and have a few drinks. Um, and then there's activities. They actually do a, a Dungeon and Dragons uh, session um, for, because that's good for character development and plot. So mm -hmm. there's yeah, a lot of people who play some D&D. D&D, D&D every Monday. She's, you know, she's, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And then we also have an evening where we read out short pieces of our own work um, to to an audience as well to give us a bit of practice at delivering our stories um, as a storyteller instead of the written word um, and that's lots of fun um, but yeah it's a really great way to connect with other authors as well because that community is so important to have around you as you're because it's such an individualized um, absolutely and journey, um, but having those connections are great Ongoing feedback is what's important too. You know, develop, yeah. to develop your character, to develop different scenes, and you never know. This could be picked up as a miniseries, Netflix, a play. There's a lot that is picked up by novels and by books. How did you start writing? Um, I probably have always been a writer in my heart. Like I loved writing when I was at school, um, but I didn't really start writing till about 2015. Um, I was doing a Bachelor of Arts degree, um, which is just a generalized kind of degree. Um, I'm not sure what it would be called in the States, um, but you're basically studying literature, history, um, all those sort of 
topics. Um, and I took some creative uh, writing courses within that. And that was where I was getting my best um, results. Um, but to sort of give you a snapshot of that, I was around 28, 29. I had two little boys that I was raising by myself. And I was pretty much doing my degree with the boys sitting on my knee. So I'd be reading books and reading them aloud to them and typing away with babies on my knee. Um, and I kind of, every time I get my results back, I'd be like, oh, there's something in this. I'm doing really well. Um, so when I graduated, um, I was just working in sort of um, banking and administration roles. And I was like, I think I'll give this a shot. Um, and I entered a competition uh, in 2017 and I placed third and it was a national Australian-wide oh, wow. competition. Um, so that first, it was real. I was really spoiled. The first competition I entered, I placed really well. Um, and then I was like, oh, I can do this. And it was nice to see it published in an anthology and to receive a prize for it as well. Um, and so I just kept going with that um, and so started start going into the children's area because writing children's books I've been very fortunate a couple interviews before you I have a writing coach uh, that works with uh, uh, people that are writing for children's I have a couple other children's authors that are coming on but it's a very different language you know yes you yeah. sometimes you want to put it in the simplest forms but you also want to challenge them you want to build vocabulary and you want it to be stimulating to the point where they'll go back and start reading it themselves. Exactly. Um, for me, um, once I'd started achieving a few things with my writing, I started going to some writing workshops and I attended um, a picture book workshop, which was run by an author called Michelle Worthington. Um, and she's got about 30 picture books out um, and she's very prolific and talented, but she's also very generous. Um, and, I, and she's very... Um, relatable like I went to her just a half day course and she was so lovely and laid things out in such a, an easy way that I was like oh I can do that um which is very cocky of me <laughs> a bit naughty to go oh no it's I can not do that no, easily. that's um, the thing that's the thing let me stop you right there is that you have to toot your own horn you have to be proud yes. of your accomplishments because that's how you get better best and then you become brilliant. And it's taking yes. that feedback and it's not necessarily, it's your story, you're giving birth to it. But once you give it out to the world, it belongs to the world. So you want to also sell through on these books. It's great to write them. Yes. It's great to have a publisher, but you've got to take this thing to the auction block and sell it. What types of things mm. do you do to keep momentum for the sales of your books? Um, well, doing uh, podcasts like this with you, April, um, I have I have engaged a PR agency here in Australia called Books on Tour, and they connect with um, reviewers and um, various different places that we can do some book placement. Um, and I've been very grateful for all the beautiful reviews I've been receiving. Um, and also my publisher does a lot of work as well. Um, they helped me place my book on Kindling Radio, which is an app here in Australia where they um, record 
um, a celebrity reading your book. So I had a radio DJ read Easy Peasy. Um, mm -hmm. And then it also goes into the app so the children can then listen to it over and over again. So that was really great exposure. Um, and then just I've been visiting bookshops in southeast Queensland where I live um, and having lots of fun with the kids, colouring in and doing activities. Uh, the next step for me in October, I'm doing some Brisbane City Council library workshops. Um, so there's about five branches of the library I'll be visiting and then school visits as well. So um, it becomes a really... Yeah, it, you have to stay on top of it. But you have to stay excited about it, Brains. You've got to sell it through. You have mm. to sell it through. Yeah. And that's going to be your responsibility because, again, you've given birth to this baby. Now, the writing process, we've went through that a little bit. The distribution and how to get that out. Um, but you're taking it a step further because are you starting to publish yourself or are you starting to coach individuals? Uh, well, I've been doing a few little workshops. They're called Write and Sip, where we get together at, there's a, a cool little bar near where I live um, that has a space where you can sit with a group of people. And so it has some cool music and you can order some drinks from the bar. Um, and we do it about three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. drinks from the bar. Yes. <laughs> and it loosens everybody up. Um, and we just do writing activities like I select some competitions so I look at what's coming up I do sort of like a, a state level comp and then a national competition and we do say 250 or 500 words for each one um, and if somebody attends all of the events with me they then have a writing portfolio of work that they can then submit to competitions wow. um, so it's kind of just getting those prompts and getting people to think about what they would write about and because you never know what's going to come out usually in those situations right, right. Um, but then you've got then you can enter story. a lot of competitions i had a great story about COVID. uh yeah never brought it to fruition but i still have it it is a great story um so i want to think about writing that yeah, enter it somewhere yeah, a lot of people are doing audibles and, and having voiceovers because they want ease of use. Number one, they don't want to store the books. Number two, it's expensive to get hard copies of books. Once you go through a third-party retailer, be it a big box store or something online, you know, you've cut your profits down maybe sometimes two-thirds. But you still hmm. want that visibility. You still want it to get out there. And, and I totally understand that. So, um, Let's ask you some fun questions, Kai. Okay. All right. So if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? Um, I'd probably be a microwave um, because I um, get used for, I could be used for everything. I'm <laughs> pretty I can defrost, I can heat up, I can spin around. I can make noise when I when you press my buttons. <laughs> I think I want to be the George Foreman grill. Oh yes, yeah, Why the George Foreman grill. Uh, because it's quick, it's slick, uh, it's not greasy. It keeps things juicy and it's easy to clean. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what would you tell a twenty-five-year-old writer that is, you know, thinking about going into uh, into the industry? Um, that 
the journey is hard, um, but the rewards are worth it. it. It's definitely worth persevering. So if you're starting to submit things and you're getting rejections, that that's part of being a writer. So every, everybody, even the most published authors will submit things and get rejections. Um, so you just have to chalk it up to the experience. And once once you submit something and you get a yes back, that is so sweet. And seeing your book in, in print is so satisfying. It, to me, the first time I saw a, a published story of mine, it was so beautiful. So it's really worth the effort of persevering. It is worth the effort. And um, you have to be excited about it. You know, it is, it's your body of work. Even if you are in an anthology brains, still promote that, you know, still promote that part of your work. That's your initial journey. So if you were a flower in the garden, what flower would you be and why? Um, I'd probably be a gerbra. So a lovely bright flower. Um, I um, generally am a pretty pleasant, person like I always have a smile for everyone um uh, and I'm resilient I guess as well and you're you know and you bloom all the time and that's what it's about it's about budding it's about you know starting sometimes you're very tight but as you work with coaches and you work with individuals they bring that out of you they help spark that um that, that vivaciousness talk about an illustrator you have an illustrator and you have easy peasy. We want to talk yes. a little bit about your book, mm -hmm. easy okay. peasy. But uh, let's see that. Um, now, the e the illustrations are really cool. They're really cool. How did you find an They're amazing. With your work? Well, well, EK Books, uh, um, initially when I send, sent my manuscript, they came back to me and said, we would love to publish your book, um, but we'd like to match an illustrator with you. So they had uh, Amy Collordi is the illustrator. They had, she's done books for them before and they said, we think that she might be a match for you. We're, uh, we've asked her to do some sketches um, and we'll send them through to you and you can let us know what you think. And um, as soon as I fought, saw the first sketch, which was just a black and white, sketch I was like oh she's the right lady for me mm. um so she really took the time to read the story but I I think she must have googled me as well because she really um got the colors right like the um front cover that with the disco ball that's quite similar to my totally lit logo mm. um so I think she she really put thought into the story and what um, would look bright and vibrant for children. Like it's a really eye-catching cover. Um, and the little duck that's on the front cover, he's all the way through the book and he's just adorable. Um, so let's and see that's the book. Put the book up nice and close so that we can see it right next to your face. Pull it back a little bit. There you go. And down. Okay. What is Easy Peasy about? Um, so Easy Peasy is about Ruby who gets a pair of roller skates for her birthday um, and she loves them immediately. They're red and sparkly, which is her favourite colour. Um, and her dad says, well, I can help you learn. And she's like, no, no, dad, I can do this. Um, it's Easy Peasy. And so she puts the boots on, the roller skates on, and she finds out that it's not really as easy as she thought. So she has a few tumbles. Then the roller skates, the, the first night, she loves them so much, they go to bed with her. The second night, after a few tumbles, they go back in the cupboard. Um, and she has a think about it and realises that she really wants to learn to skate. So then she says to dad, oh, I think 
I think I need some help, Dad. And then he takes her to a roller skating rink and they learn to skate together. Um, and I really just wanted to share that message of that it is it is good to be resilient and strong, but it's also good to reach out when you need help. So, so there's some things in life that you just can't do on your own. Um, and I think it's important for our kids to know that they've got people to go to to reach out for help, whatever it is, whether it's roller skating or maths homework or when there's bigger issues in their life, you know, there's people for them to speak to. So, Kai, you shared with me that you were a single parent for almost 10 years with two boys with special needs, and now you found the love of your life for the last three years. How was that? Because, number one, children, from what I understand, with these type of conditions, change is something that they don't like. Uh, and so, no, uh, luckily, they love him. <laughs> well, um, love mainly funny. when I was, because I was on my own for 10 years and I, I did have some relationships, but none of them ever developed to a serious relationship. Um, and then I met my husband, Mike, um, and it really, you're really frightened to share your story with someone when when you like them so much and you would love for it to go further but it's like oh I'm gonna have to say look I'm I'm a mum who's got two boys with special needs our life is a little bit more complex than usual and um we'd been dating we'd been on about 10 dates and I said oh Mike I I need to share with you something um I can even picture we were driving down the road like um side by side in the car and I said look both both my sons have Asperger's and he went yeah I thought that might be true and um just asked me out on another date so um that was fine um and he was really excited to meet the boys um and even um we uh Anglican so we go to church on a Sunday and he even asked is it okay for me to start coming to church with you and so I was like oh this guy is actually really committed he's not frightened of like I was frightened that no one would ever take us on because we're a big job with two boys with special needs me with my crazy writing ambitions and we've also got two cats and a dog Um, but Mike just took it all in his stride and he's really become a core unit of our family like um he's he's great with the boys and they really respond well to him and they send him texts and funny memes and gifts and things oh, <laughs> and so yeah like it's now like we've always been together you know step parenting is not for punks because no, you're no. stepping in when someone else might step aside it's very difficult mm. to have a blended family um, and to be well received and then to make it functioning, but not only functioning so that you're able to thrive and to take some of that off of you. You're able to delegate. You're able to still live your dream. That's what love is about. You want a dream catcher. You don't want a dream crusher. So bravo to Mike. Yeah. Yay, Mike. I need it. That's a beautiful uh, father-daughter moment too. Of bond. Yeah, yeah. This is this is based on my dad and I a little bit. Oh. I didn't really um, fight him to learn. We just learned together. Um, 
but yeah, my dad would take me because um, I'm an only child. So we'd go cycling and fishing and sailing and all those sort of things. And then also the really the one little girl thing we did together was we'd go skating and he'd put his skate, skates on and be going around the rink with me, um, which, you know, a lot of parents just drop their kids off and sit on the side. But dad was always an interactive dad. Um, and it, yeah, it was just, he's always been my backup as well as my mum. I've got both my parents are still together which I'm blessed for um and they've always I can always go to them for help and it's the same thing I would like for my children as well as that they know I'm always there that they can go and do things that they want to do on their own but I was talking to one of my previous guests the guests that came on before you and she was really talking about the disconnect of the family unit now um yes people are you know they're creating the silence they're creating these deep uh, fortresses instead of boundary lines they're just really going head in where they're not communicating they're not visiting they're not teaching their children to bond with the grand that is a parent's responsibility is to uh connect that child with their grandparent with their lineage and they're not doing that uh, these adults are not going and visiting their senior parents and they have this term of this gentle parenting i don't know you know, then you come with a great book that says, hey, you know what, let's spend some time together. Let's be honest. Let's love. Let's know that everything is not going to go our way. You know, how do you talk to the people that need to kind of find that balance in their life? It's challenging. And I think the world we're in with technology, like my children, because they they both have autism they prefer to be in their rooms alone and they prefer to be on their devices and playing games and things like that. And there's times, especially with my younger son, when he was younger, he was so cute and adorable. He'd always give me lots of hugs. And now he's very distant and he's sort of like, I'm fine, mum. I'm fine. And I'm like, are you? <laughs> How do I stay in contact with you? Um, and because now also, because all of him and his mates are, um, gaming together but all in their own individual homes we don't even get to know our children's friends anymore in the same way wow. um, so those relationships are really breaking down um, but we try to have his friends over and like play board games at the house and things like that where we can get them off the technology um, it does require effort like for us hosting the kids and um, playing the games and all that can be a bit of work but um, I think it's worth it to, to know who your children's friends are and who their families are as well you know it's important and even, to, and even to discover the fact that they have learning challenges and they learn differently that you have two sons that um have autism and that's not easy you've got two different personalities no. <laughs> you're trying to you know and you say they're both high functioning just give us a, a snapshot because some parents don't even know what to look for they don't understand what that big $25 word is, what it means to be on the spectrum. Can you share with us a little bit about your personal experience? Um, my guys, um, well, technically you would say they have Asperger's, um, but the the way they've changed the um, uh, diagnosis is now everything falls under Asperger's syndrome. No, autistic ASD. <laughs> I've forgotten what the acronym means. Um, but yes, yeah, so now they say um, everyone falls under that title. Uh, my guys 
they met all their milestones in terms of development until they got to around six and then like all the other kids shot forward and my guys were really struggling with some coordination issues, um, social issues. They, they wanted to play individually instead of playing together with other children and I'd often have to um, show them how to play which I found really um, strange because I was um, an only child so I just learned independent play quite easily um, and then there were things um, like not choosing a left or right hand which is actually quite important for development apparently um, so that's called dyspraxia um, and things like it took them a long time to learn to tie their shoelaces and um, they had a bit of weak muscle development so they were having trouble opening their lunch boxes and so we had to buy zips and um, loud noises were an issue and my younger son has lots of sensory issues so he doesn't like certain fabrics on his skin he's very fussy about smells so we can't go into restaurants that have strong smells um, and very uh, difficult with his eating so he just likes white rice or plain bread um, so even at 17, I'm still preparing <laughs> separate meals for him. Um, and, and they just have a different um, mindset at times. My older son is really negative and no matter how much you say, it'll be like you walk outside and go, oh, look at a beautiful, the beautiful blue sky today. And he'll go, there's a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so just learning um, how to deal with that. Um, we do these days now they're older um, it's a lot of me talking them through things um, for instance my son and, is, I, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible do they understand that they you know have a learning challenge that they're different uh, and they have special yes. needs yeah okay. so they're quite perceptive in that they really diagnose themselves like they were not surprised when they got their diagnosis and we talked it through and my youngest son especially was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so they, they understand it. Sometimes they question the world when, if they've been teased at school or given a hard time. And I say, oh, honey, you just have to understand that those people don't understand your condition. And, and then he'll say, well, don't you think, Mum, it's ironic that I'm the one with the condition, but I have to be understanding of the, the people out there that are normal? Why is it that I have to adjust to them not understanding who I am? And I'm like, I know it's unfair. I know. But that's the way the world is. Um, yeah, so they, um, they're quite perceptive in that way. And, um, yeah, it's really, it's a strange condition. It's so unfair, autism, because, yeah, my boys are really aware of the way the world works and they feel like it's unfair sometimes that people don't accept them just the way they are. Well, I think that that's your next book. Yes. <laughs> I do. I, I really feel that because, you know, very compassionate, very tender from a parent's perspective or through the eyes of a child that has learning, and I don't want to say disability, because I'm sure they're strong in other things, mathematics and science or music, or, you know, their gifts lie somewhere else. Um, and so it's yes. very challenging for parents. I know my daughter had a reading challenge, and she had no way of explaining that she didn't know what she didn't know, and come to find out yes. her vision 
was impaired and she was a little bit dyslexic. So I put her in a special school and it turned her life around. But again, mm. young parents, they don't know what they don't know. And then I know it, it was a challenge for you because one child was diagnosed and now you say, I've got two. And their uh, set of circumstances can be, again, like you say, very different. But you are a great parent. If nobody's told you today, you're special. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you and your husband for hanging in there with them to a lot of parents would give up and also the children would give up. They say, you know what? This world is cruel. But they have tenacity, they have resilience, and that's very, very important. So, you know, give yourself some credit for that and writing amazing books for other children. Please, Kai, tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to purchase a copy of the book and to work, you know, with you or your team or your book publishing company. Okay, um, so you can find me on socials. If you type in Kai Garvey, you'll see me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It should come up. Um, my email address, if you'd like to write to me, is kaigarvey at hotmail.com. Um, if you'd like to purchase the book, you can purchase it through ekbooks.org um, and also bookshop.org um, and also amazon.com. I know that some people aren't a big fan of there, but um, you well, can you Google know, my it, book it, and it exactly. will come up. Well, it's exposure, and that's the way that it was. The other day, me and my husband were uh, driving and I looked over and I said, oh my God, there's still a Barnes and Noble. That's just what it is now. But authors like you do have options, choices. Again, you're doing a great thing as far as marketing. We want to emphasize that. Donate to the library, do a reading, do a virtual, you know, special little intimate party for girl little tea party. Uh, read the book for them, get bookmarks. Keep that book in front of people because I'm telling you, grandparents, they love that. You know, my mother and mm -hmm. uh, she would give a big basket of books and, you know, reading. That's a wonderful person. It is. And it's a lost art, but it's also um, a skill and a talent to be creative. Yes. And, do that. and so I want to thank you, Kai. Thank you so much for being here on the Edge Brains. Go and listen to other edgy conversations uh, where the conversation. Thanks, Brains. The guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. We have everything from soup to nuts. If you want to write a romance novel, if you want to write maybe a comedy, maybe a screenplay, maybe a cartoon, maybe create an app. There's so much information here on The Edge. Thank you, Kai. We're going to be watching you. Amazing. Thank you so much, April. All right. Bye, Brains. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.